Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Chase the Summit Trail Talk podcast. I'm your host, Dave. Thanks for joining me today. Today, we've got episode 36. I can't believe I've been doing this for 36 times. And today's episode is going to be a bit of a mashup. First, I want to just talk about some of my training that's going on right now, some of my personal life, because apparently people like that sort of thing. You know, I just try to I try to make what I want to hear in other people's podcast in my podcast, and I like hearing about what that person's up to. So I'm going to include that every week. Then we're going to talk about uh, the news of the week. That's going to be the new releases, things, notable things that have happened in the fitness tech space uh, or trail running or anything like that. And we're going to wrap this episode up with a whole bunch of Q&A. I actually put a Instagram story out, uh, I think about a week ago and asked, you know, ask me anything kind of thing with a little text box and a bunch of people submitted questions. So I thought it would be fun to go through them one by one and answer them in today's episode. So thank you for everybody who submitted questions. I'll be doing this again. I'll probably make it like a monthly theme because it is a lot of fun. And uh, I like to see what y'all are up to out there. Before we dive in, though, I do want to thank the Patreon members of this podcast that help support me. There's a lot of people out there like uh, Bryce and Nate and a couple of new recruits uh, like Sagi and uh, David. I really appreciate everybody who's been supporting me over on Patreon. And I've been trying to come up with new and fun ways to use Patreon because right now it's really just to support the channel uh, or the podcast. So if you want to help support me, what I'm doing here, check out the Patreon link at the bottom of the show notes that says support this show. I also want to thank the YouTube members because it's a similar thing just over on YouTube. It really means a lot to me that you donate a couple of bucks each month to keep me going. And it does get me one step closer to doing this as my job because that's kind of the goal, I think. Just don't tell my, just don't tell my boss of my real job. <laughs> uh, all right. I also want to mention Liquid IV. Liquid IV is the show sponsor. They help support me, and they also make a really good product called the Hydration Multiplier that I personally used long before they were involved with me with this podcast. It is a really good product. It tastes really good, and it actually works. It feels like you're hydrating when you drink it, and it's low in calories. It's got tons of electrolytes. It doesn't make you feel gross like you do after you have a big Gatorade or something like that. And I really just enjoy the stuff. So if you want to try it out, check out uh, the link in the show notes down below where you can get 30% off your first order by using discount code CHASETHESUMMIT, all one word, no spaces. That's CHASETHESUMMIT, all one word, no spaces, as your discount code at liquidiv.com or you've used the link in the show notes down below. And one more plug before I wrap up this intro, I want to talk about the merch store. The merch store, uh, we've got the Chase the Summit trucker hats, we've got the t-shirts, the running shirts, the buffs, stickers, all kinds of stuff. I'm really proud of the merchandise that that I've got over there. Um, it all came out really well, and it's like high-quality products. And for listeners of this podcast, I do have a discount code that I don't publicize anywhere. It's only for you, the listener of this podcast. I won't even put it in the show notes. You have to type it in manually. So the discount code is LISTEN10. That's L-I-S-T-E-N 10, as if you're listening to a podcast. And that'll give you 10% off your entire order over at the merch store, and that's at chasethesummit.com slash shop. 
I'm also working on new merch that I'm going to have in there soon for the fall season coming up. Uh, it's weird. You got to like stay ahead of that stuff. And I'm really bad at that. So um, I'm trying to come up with new designs, new products that would lend themselves to colder weather and things like that. And that is coming very soon. So stay tuned for that. Okay. Now we are going to talk about some stuff going on in my personal life. First of all, I want to talk about what just happened. Oops, I just hit the microphone. That was, that was me. That was my bad. I try not to edit these podcasts, so you'll hear a lot of mistakes like that. I apologize. <laughs> um, so what just happened? Last week, I uh, packed up the family, and we actually went on a little camping trip to a really nice um, campground up in New Hampshire, and it was like, you know, glamping. We weren't like backpacking or hiking or, or anything. It was really, really privileged camping. Like we had a, like a camper, um, like a cabin, like a, a log cabin that had a master or primary bedroom. It had like this really cool loft area where the kids could climb up into. And it was only big enough for the kids, but they all slept up there. Had a kitchen had a screened in front porch and we had family friends that came with us. Uh, two other families were just left and right of us at two different campsites. So we had a ton of fun. This particular campground actually had like a, a pool. It had a, had a big bounce area, like a giant pillow that the kids could bounce on and stuff. And everyone just had such a good time. Um, unfortunately though, by day three into our trip, we got a, phone call from my wife's parents. And it turns out, uh, my father-in-law, the people we've been living with had come down with the dreaded COVID, which is unfortunate because by the end of that day, my son, my, my, uh, soon to be five-year-old, uh, he ended up with a fever. So after all that fun, our trip was cut short. We had to, uh, we, we basically just vacated immediately. We didn't want to like ride it out he, he had a fever. We kind of just knew what was going on. And so we packed up the van and we came back home. So we lost one night of the trip. We still had a ton of fun. Um, but since then, it's just been going through the house. <laughs> so at, when we got home, my older kid got it. And then um, the baby, uh, our 10-month-old baby, just ended up testing positive. And so far... The other, the five-year-old, my wife and I, we are all still negative. So I'm, I've got my fingers crossed that all of the multivitamins and, uh, you know, the athletic greens and everything else that I've been taking has boosted my immune system in some way to prevent me from getting sick as well. Because, well, I don't want to be sick because that really stinks for training. I've already had the virus before back in, I think it was back in December, and it really kind of wrecked me for a couple of weeks. I, I wasn't running. I tried to run through it, but man, it really wore me down for a couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm hopeful that hopefully my wife and I can, can get through it because we need at least one functional adult in the household. So long story short, um, the family's sick, <laughs> but we're okay. Everyone's, everyone's okay. And even the baby is starting to pull through. So, um, yeah, that was the the fun weekend trip. Another thing that's been going on with me that's more related to training is that I've been having some, I think it's my IT band, uh, issues with my IT band when I run. And it's funny, when this started, listen to this. This is my old man story of the day. I was carrying, well, 
Okay, so we were walking from our campsite to the pool at this particular campground, and my kid, my four-year-old, was tired. He didn't want to walk anymore, so he asked me to carry him. So as a good dad, I gave him a piggyback ride. So I bent down, I squatted down, like, to, to let him board, and uh, as I stood up with his body weight on my back, I felt something weird in my right leg, like this kind of electric shock feeling in... Um, my knee area, but also near my hip at the same time. I didn't really think much of it because I was able to carry him and it didn't hurt too bad. But by the end of the day, I could start to feel it. And then the next day when I tried to run, it, it was definitely firing up. So last week, I tried to chill out a little bit. I only ran 19 miles, which is not a ton for you know the level of training I'm trying to be at with ultra running and stuff. Um, but I did get, you know, close to 20 miles and most of, I, I think all of that was on trails. I didn't road run at all last week. Um, so that's good. And it's starting to feel better. I'm just hoping it's not going to be like one of those quiet things that lurk in the background and just pop up when I'm out on my run, because those are super annoying. Like the, there's so many little annoying, in, little annoying running injuries that aren't like debilitating, but they're just annoying enough to make you not want to do it or enjoy it. So there's that. Um, another thing I realized when we were heading up to this trip, and this will be the last topic before we get into the news, I promise, okay? We're already nine minutes in. I haven't even talked about anything that you probably care about. But um, when we were packing up to go on this trip, I realized that we're almost outgrowing our minivan. <laughs> like, we've got this 2012 beige, like, classic Clark Griswold. If you don't know who Clark Griswold is, Google it. Um, you know, this town and country minivan that is not sexy by any means, but I think it's hilarious. You know, it's got the simulated wood panels inside and stuff. Um, and I totally own that that dad vibe when I drive it. But I, I actually realized that we're kind of outgrowing it because I could barely get enough, get all of our stuff in the car. And we, I still had a roof rack. I had like one of those cargo carrier, those Thule cargo carriers on top and I couldn't even fit all of our stuff <laughs> just for a four-day trip because we're six people including a baby who needs a lot of stuff you know we had a um, high chair we had a playpen for her and stuff so we could be outside and it got me thinking about like a bigger van like some sort of adventure van I could I could get for the family so I've been doing a lot of research on like sprinter vans and van building and watching van building YouTube channels and stuff. It's a whole rabbit hole, but man, are those things so freaking cool. But the big question I have about these vans, you know, the sprinter vans or the camper vans is I rarely ever see one that is designed to be an everyday driver, like something I could go to and from work and pick my kids up from daycare and do all the, you know, pick up at the preschool and then drop my, you know, drop my kid off at soccer while also having the functionality of a camper. Those don't seem to exist. And what I mean is like, I need six passenger seats. That's how big my family is. Six passenger seats plus room for the dog. And I, I also want like a bed area or in like a little table or some way of converting it back and forth that doesn't seem to exist as far as I know. So I've actually reached out to a couple of local van upfitters just to see. I mean, I'm, I'm probably not, I, I, I don't know. It really depends on pricing. They're crazy expensive, 
but I, I reached out just to see what's going on with those and, and if they exist. And, uh, yeah, so, so far I've reached out to a couple of companies. One's called East Coast Van Builds. That's kind of local. And there's another one that's called, uh, what was it called? Ready, set, tr- adventure or something. I forget. But um, I'm hoping they can get back to me and, you know, maybe provide one for the purpose of re- re- review on the YouTube channel. That would be nice. <laughs> I think it's a little above, a little too expensive for that. But man, wouldn't that be sweet? Anyways, that's kind of what's been going on in the background. And if you have experience with any of those camper vans or know anybody that does that sort of thing, shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'd be curious, curious to hear about it. Um, you know, maybe I'll start a GoFundMe so I can actually afford one. <laughs> you know, and, uh, that's, ex- that's what GoFund- GoFundMe's for, right? Totally, totally for that. Okay, moving on. We're out of the intro banter stage of this podcast. You're probably getting annoyed now. Let's talk about the news. First up in the news is the Samsung Galaxy Watch 5. Uh, this has been released, and it's weird because there's a couple of, couple of reviewers on YouTube, like DC Rainmaker and my friend Rob over at The Quantified Scientist. Both those guys got a hold of these things early, and it seems like it's a mistake. Like, Samsung sent them to stores early, and they got put on shelves, and some of these YouTubers managed to get their hands on them before they were supposed to. So like Ray over at DC Rainmaker, he's got a full in-depth review available and the watch isn't even available yet. So I've got one on pre-order. It looks pretty cool. I mean, I still have issues with the whole Samsung Galaxy Watch thing because of the way they're proprietary with you need to have a Samsung phone to get all the features. Like if you, you try to use a Motorola phone with a Samsung watch, you end up losing certain features like the EKG and things like that. But I'll give you a quick rundown about what the the Galaxy Watch 5 or the Watch 5 is. It's basically a Google Wear OS device with a skin on top of it called One UI. That's Samsung's like designed skin that they lay over it. The the skin is really nice. It might even be nicer than one uh, Google Wear OS, you know, by itself. They do a really nice job with coding it and designing it. Um, so the regular model comes in at $279. That's the base, uh, you know, the cheapest one you can get. And then there's a pro model that comes in at $449. So the difference there is that the, the base model comes in a 40 and 44 millimeter, uh, size where the larger, uh, watch five pro comes in at 45 millimeters, but also has a few extra features. So there's a body temperature sensor. Don't get too excited about that, though, because it only works in a limited capacity at night. doesn't work throughout the day. You can't just, like, check your body temperature. There's also built-in navigation on the Pro model. And the navigation, from what I understand, is pretty basic. It's kind of like... It's kind of like you have Google Maps on your wrist, um, but it's designed for running and trail running and hiking and things like that. But you do need... um, a connection to your phone in order to use it, which is kind of a bummer. Um, and then there's also a larger battery in the Pro model with up to, what is it, a 590 milliamp hour battery that will give you 20 hours in GPS mode. 20 hours is pretty good for a smartwatch like this. And then you've got 80 hours um, in standby or smartwatch mode. So 20 hours isn't bad because if you look at something like an Apple Watch, which is kind of the competition here, 
Apple Watch, you're looking at like six or seven hours total in GPS mode. If you use like the, you know, the Apple Watch SE or something like that, you're only going to get like, you know, under 10 hours, definitely. Where on this, you know, Watch 5 Pro, you're looking at 20 hours and you do have similar capabilities to the Apple Watch. It's definitely not an Apple Watch. It's only for Android watches or Android phones. You can use it on iPhone 2, I think. Actually, no, you can't. That's a mistake. You can't use it on iPhone. It's for Android only, I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, it's got decent battery life. Uh, there's a pro model. It's pretty expensive. You can get it with LTE built in, which is interesting. And another key feature here is that both the non-pro and pro have sapphire glass, apparently, which is kind of surprising because sapphire glass is, you know, typically regarded as something you have on a premium device, something that you pay up for, but here you get it across the board. But apparently on the pro model, you do get a more scratch resistant sapphire glass. Whatever that means, I, I have no idea what that means, but it is what it is. So that's kind of the uh, Samsung Watch 5 in a nutshell. When I do actually have one physically in my hands, you can bet your bottom dollar that I will have one on YouTube, have a review available, uh, you know, in my in-depth fashion and try to cover all the bases and see if it's actually any good. I think from what I've gathered from other reviewers is that it's cool, but it's nothing earth shattering. So, you know, if you're in that Samsung ecosystem, it might be something you, you, you'd be interested in for everybody else. You know, there's still, if you're looking for like a running watch in particular, getting a Garmin or a Suunto or a Polar or a Koros is probably going to be a better move for you for a couple of reasons, price features, battery life. Um, they're all better on a dedicated sports watch. But if you are someone looking for like an Apple watch alternative, where it's just day-to-day -day life, reading text messages, functionality like that, that's where the, the Galaxy Watch 5 is going to shine. So that's the Watch 5 in a nutshell in my really quick take on what I think about it so far. It's interesting. I've got one in the mail. Stay tuned for the review. Next up in news is about the T-Rex 2, the Amazfit T-Rex 2. This is a watch that I reviewed on YouTube last month, about a month ago. Uh, and surprisingly, it's one of my top performing videos. I had no idea that would happen. I didn't even know people knew what Amazfit was. I didn't realize it was a very popular brand, but I bought one, I reviewed it on YouTube, and now that video has like 200,000 views just a few weeks later. Um, but there was a huge, a huge deal about that watch is that on the Amazfit website, the company advertised that the watch had navigation where you could upload a GPX file to the app and then you could follow the course in real time on the watch and use that to navigate, uh, you know, a race or a hike or whatever you're doing. GPX navigation is a really powerful tool and it's something you don't often see on a watch at that price point because the Amazfit T-Rex 2 comes in at just uh, $229 and there's always a coupon on Amazon to get it like... 20 bucks off. And I'll have links in the description down below for all the stuff I talk about here, including the Amazfit T-Rex 2. Just know it's typically on sale, but it's around 200 bucks. Anyways, Amazfit advertised that this watch had navigation. It had back to start, back to start, back to start navigation, which means if you got lost out on a trail run, you could hit back to start and the watch would guide you back to the beginning of your activity, which is a nice thing to have. 
and that it would have G GPX navigation where you could take a GPX file from Strava, upload it to your app, and then use it on the watch. Now, here's the problem. At launch, when I first got the watch, they did not have these features available at all. And I found that pretty concerning because they were advertising the features on the website. But if you look closely, there was a little asterisk and a number next to the feature. And in the fine print, it said, not yet available, coming in a firmware update. That kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like, don't advertise a feature and make it kind of, it's, you know, disingenuous. It was kind of like trying to dangle a carrot, carrot in front of you. And then you buy the thing and realize it doesn't have the feature. Pretty annoying. Anyways, just recently, I think two days ago, Amazfit finally released the feature for navigation. So now you've got back to start course creation. Uh, you've got GPX navigation. Keep in mind, this is very basic. I've watched a couple of YouTube videos on it and I've updated mine myself and it's just breadcrumb navigation. So you can upload a GPX file through the Zep app on your phone. You can follow the course on your watch. You can zoom in and out on the course to see the whole course or just parts of it. And you can also pan around on the watch itself too, which is cool. But this is by no means a topo map or competing with a Garmin. It's very, very basic. With that said, still keep in mind, this is a $200 watch. To have breadcrumb navigation and course, you know, back to start and all that is actually pretty rare at that price point. So I'm still going to give them props for the feature. I'm glad it finally came, even though it took a while, but it is there now. So the price hasn't changed. You can still get that $229 or even better if it's on sale. And now you get navigation. That's the news about the T-Rex 2. <clears throat> kind of a big deal. And I'm happy they, uh, happy they did that. So I think they're going to end up, you know, this watch apparently is pretty popular and I think it's actually going to end up push the, pushing the market a bit because if you compare it to something like, you know, the Coros Pace 2, that's a $200 watch, does not have navigation. And now if Coros sees this Amazfit watch with navigation and an OLED screen at a competing price point, I feel like it's going to push the whole market to have breadcrumb navigation as kind of a default. I really hope that happens because I feel like every watch should have it. I don't think there's any you know, computational limits to what <laughs> these things can do. Um, I don't think it takes that much computing power, especially here in 2022. Uh, but yeah, that's the news about the uh, Macefit TRX2. And I don't know if I'll have a follow-up video about that. This, this will suffice for now. I might. I'll think about it. It might be a quickie. Um, but yeah. Next up, we've got a new release from Hoka. Um, this actually, I got an email earlier today about this. The Hoka Mafate Speed 5. Um, hope I'm saying that right. Hoka Mafate Speed uh, Speed 4. I had the wrong number there. Uh, so this is a $185 shoe from Hoka. It's a trail runner with a 4mm heel-to-toe offset, so a very low stack height, or very low offset from heel-to-toe, which I personally really like. I love, you know, shoes under 5 millimeters. They are advertising this as a responsive, fast trail runner uh, for technical terrain. It's got an EVA uh, foam midsole that's kind of a dual layer uh, with another, you know, softer foam. So it, it feels responsive. It's not super cushioned, even though it is a pretty thick uh, midsole of a shoe. And it's got a, a Vibram Mega Grip outsole. 
So uh, I'm looking forward to trying these out. And it, Hoka has a sample in the mail coming to me now. Uh, keep your eyes peeled on YouTube for review on that because I'm pretty excited about it. I've actually been on sort of a Hoka kick lately and I need to do more uh, footwear, footwear or shoe reviews because I, I have a whole pile of shoes that I've been wearing. Uh, I've typically been kind of an ultra fanboy, but I've been trying to expand a bit. And I've been finding that Hoka does make shoes that work with my clown feet. In particular, one I've been gravitating to a lot has been the Hoka Tecton X. Um, at first, I had issues with it, but then I realized I had the wrong size. And once I bumped up a half size, they've been really good for me and actually fit me really well. So I'm pretty excited to see what these Mafate Speed 5s uh, you know, feel like, how, what the ride's like. I hope they have enough cushion because they keep advertising how it's a fast shoe and that it's made for responsiveness. I'm looking, I really like cushion, you know, for longer runs, but I'm hoping, hoping it's kind of a jack of all trades. Okay, that's it for the news this week. Uh, I don't have a ton of news to share, but now I want to dive into the Q&A because this is pretty fun. So like I said, on Instagram, I posted a story last week, just a ask me anything kind of thing. And I got a whole bunch of questions that rolled in. And I'm just going to read them here, and then in real time, I'll give you a response. And hopefully, whoever wrote these on the podcast, or not podcast, whoever wrote these questions is listening because I thought it would be fun to answer you verbally instead of just typing something out. So all of these questions came from people on Instagram, and thank you for sending these in. First up, we've got a question from Sagi, S-A-G-I. Um, he says... I have my first 100K race coming up with 20,000 feet of elevation gain in four weeks from now. Although I feel fully prepared, I'm really scared. It will be the longest run I've ever been on my feet for 20 plus hours. Uh, what's the best tip or practical advice you can give me for such a long race? First, uh, Sagi, thanks for writing in. Second, this is a tough one. So I guess practical advice, I would say... Buckle up. <laughs> I think the the thing that helped me the most in my last 100 miler is knowing that I'm running into the night. You know, you get to that starting line and you think, I'm just going to, I'm going for a race. Um, but once you wrap your head around the fact that you're going to be out there for literally a full day, and in your case, 20 hours, that's close enough to a full day, you're going to see the sun go down. You're going to be running by headlamp. There's going to be a lot of hours of being alone. And just try to wrap your head around that fact in that it's not about, you know, don't look at the, don't think of it as like waiting for the finish line. Uh, try to, try to take it one step at a time. And for me, this might just be my way of doing it. I like to break races up into 10 mile segments and you know, your, your metric hundred K, but you know, it's like 60 something miles. Um, I like to break things up to a 10 mile chunk because then I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm done with the 50s. Now we're going into the 60s. We're going to work on that. Oh, I'm done with the 60s. Now we're going to the 70s. And by the time I get to, you know, mile 90, it's like, oh, heck yeah, we're, we're going to count down from, from 10 now. So that's kind of how I do it. I know a lot of people also try to do it by aid station where they just break the race up into getting from point A to point B between aid stations. That's also a good way of doing it. But I think it's important to com compartmentalize uh, the whole race and not look at it as like one big thing, but as like a series of small things and that you're just going to be out there for a very long time. That's really it. 
Other than that, I'll say eat and drink more than you think and try to avoid the bonk. It's probably coming. There's always a low point. It just really depends how low it's going to get. I hope that helps. I'm not really sure if that was advice or not, but I, I gave it my darndest. Thanks again for the question. The next question comes from NY Upstate Running Views. So, Uh, This question says, how the heck do you work a full-time job, make YouTube videos, run, help raise four kids, and have a podcast? (laughs) That's a good question. I'm still trying to figure that out myself. The the truth is it's all about uh, time management and support and also not having anything, no other hobbies. So my life consists of uh, working my real job, um, doing stuff for YouTube, working on this podcast, running and being with my family. I literally do nothing else. I have no other hobbies. Um, I wish I did. I also don't really have any friends, <laughs> which is really depressing to say out loud. You know, I've, I've got my, like my core group of friends from high school or whatever, but really, I, I'm really dedicated to content creation. I really love it. And, you know, right now, I kind of look at it like I need to grind for a while if I want this to be... You know, I don't grind in, a, I say that in a, a good way. Um, I need to work hard right now if I want this to pay off down the road. Uh, because ultimately, like I said earlier in this podcast, I may consider doing this as a full-time gig if it's feasible. And we're kind of trending in that direction. Not there yet, obviously. Um, but, you know, for the time being, I'm just, I'm working hard and I'm picking my hobbies and uh, activities very sparingly. So, uh, you know, I guess it's just dedication in time management and sacrifice. I do sacrifice quite a bit to do the things I do, but I enjoy them. So it's worth the sacrifice. I don't know if that answers your question, but I tried. Next question comes from Pedro. I'm not even going to try to say this name. It's Pedro Vorfazalnut. Nailed it. He says, uh, is the Enduro 2... Just an update to the Phoenix 7X. Uh, The answer to that question is yes. It's an incremental update to the Phoenix 7X. It is literally just a Phoenix 7X with a bigger battery uh, and a couple of new features that we're probably going to see on the Phoenix 7X. So really, they're exactly the same watch. The Enduro 2 is just a little bit thicker by like a millimeter, and it's got a couple of new features and longer battery life. That's really it. Um... Other than that, the Phoenix 7X is still an awesome watch. And if the larger 51 millimeter case isn't for you, that's your really your only option because the Enduro only comes in that big version and it only comes in that one color. So if you want more options, you may need to go with the Phoenix 7. Uh, Pascal Seifert says, which training plans do you use for ultramarathons? To be honest, I don't use a training plan. The first couple that I ran, I did. Uh, just, I forget which one I used, but I downloaded one off the internet and I tried to follow that as best I can. Now, you know, I've been doing this for, I think six years, five, six years. I think I've run, I think I've run like 25 ultras at this point, maybe more. That includes a lot of 50 Ks, you know, 50 milers. And I've only run successfully only run two 100 milers. Um, but out of all that, I've only ever really used a training plan for like two of those. And the reason why I don't really use one anymore is it goes back to the last question, time management. Um, I don't have time to say, 
Sunday is my long run day because I have four kids and a full-time job. Oftentimes I'm traveling or doing something on weekends. I just can't dedicate that. So I do what I can and I just focus on time on feet in a lot of ways. And also I've been lately focusing on holistically looking at training, like the whole big picture, including what's not running, you know, like marching up and down stairs with my kids or, uh, you know, doing stuff around the house. I've been trying to be aware of that stuff. And I have a whole podcast where I'm going to talk about that more. But yeah, to answer your question, I don't really use a training plan. I just kind of, I kind of just go with the flow. I try to get high mileage weeks and I try to taper at the right times and I just, you know, go from there. I also occasionally try to like mix in some speed work to, you know, up my VO2 max or just increase my fitness a little bit. Hope that helps. Uh, next question is from Adelie Shalina. What earbuds do you use regularly? Uh, these days, I basically only run with the Jaybird Vista 2s. Uh, they've been kind of my go-to for running because they fit my ears really well. I also still use the Powerbeats Pro or Beats Fit Pro, not Power Beats, the Beats Fit Pro. Those are great. Um, I really enjoy those as well. And I, I've been wearing the Sony Link Buds here and there just because they're really nice for spatial awareness, like to if I'm on a mountain bike trail or something, which I have been a lot lately, and I'm running, I want to be aware of an approaching bike behind me. I like having those because you can hear right through them. Uh, that's kind of it. I've got access to, I probably have like 50 pairs of earbuds, but those are the ones I really, I really wear the most. Uh, next question, Andrew, oh, man, I'm bad at names. So this question is totally unrelated to what I do on YouTube, but I'm going to answer it anyway. What do you think about the new MacBook M2, uh, for video editing? To be honest, all the M series MacBooks are total killers. I'm recording this podcast right now on my MacBook 16-inch uh, M1 Ultra, not Ultra, M1 Max, and it's a total beast. I edit all my videos on it. It never has a, any lag. Oftentimes, it's like three streams of 4K from my Sony cameras. I have the uh, Sony FX3 and the Sony A7S3, and their 120 frame per second footage that I use on all my B-roll is kind of a bear. And this little laptop cuts right through it without an issue. So they're all great now. I really, I mean, I've been really impressed with all of the M series laptops. And I think they're only going to get better from here, which it's interesting. Like as cameras get better, computers need to get better because the footage is harder to handle. So um, I think we're on a good path. I, I think if you picked one of those up, you'll be very happy uh, with your choice. So I'm, I'm, on board with the MacBooks these days. I used to be a Windows user, but uh, for making YouTube videos, the MacBook has been a total killer for me. Next up is NoahB85. Hey Dave, excited for the Apple Watch Pro reveal next month? I don't know where you got that information, but if it does happen, I'll be very excited. Um, I've seen a lot of rumors about the, the next Apple Watch having like good battery life or bigger case or new sensors or like a rugged build. I'm really, really hopeful that Apple has finally heard the cries from people and decided to make a Apple Watch with good battery life because that's been the Achilles heel of the Apple Watch for a very long time. So I'm hopeful that they actually did that. Uh, but I, I don't know anything. I'm hopeful 
I'm hoping, you know, more leaks come out. I love leaks on Apple Watch. I always follow that stuff. Uh, but time will tell. I think we're going to have to wait till, um, you know, September, you know, later in the year, October to see anything official. Welsh I am says, have you been testing the iOS 9 Apple Watch update with the fitness upgrades since your last video? Yes, I have. Uh, I've done a bunch of miles miles with the OS 9 beta, which is kind of funny because it means I have my phone in beta mode as well, which has been really inconvenient because it updates all the time and it's not super stable. And it's like my main phone. Um, but yeah, I've been testing the Apple Watch a lot. I'll have I'll have additional follow-up videos about that, especially when it becomes official and it's not in beta anymore um, because there are some, still some weird quirks around, around OS 9 that I, I hope they work out by the time it becomes, you know, product, the product version comes out. Gigi, uh, Gigi, Gigi Vordian uh, says, what's your next big race? Good question. Uh, my next race is in a couple of weeks. It's actually not a big race. It's a very small local race called the Tark Fall Classic. Tark Fall Classic, T-A-R-C, and that stands for Trail Animals Running Club. That's like the local ultra scene around here north of Boston. It's going to be a uh, 50K, but they have distances ranging from half marathon all the way up to 50 miler. But the reason why I signed up is because my wife is running it, and it's going to be her first ultra ever. So I'm like really excited to see how her experience goes. I'm hoping that she'll let me... Uh, film her experience and share it on YouTube. So stay tuned for that. I'm not sure if she will or not, or she'll just want me to keep the camera off. It's going to be hard for me to do. Um, next question is Justin Jones. Uh, he says, tips to grow a fitness YouTube channel, question mark. Tips to grow a fitness YouTube channel. Well, I mean, I don't know if my channel has grown you know, substantially. We're at like closing in on 70,000 subscribers, which is awesome. And I'm very excited about that. But there's channels out there with millions of people watching. So, you know, rel relatively speaking, I'm pretty small potatoes still. But I think if you want any, any advice from me, I would say make the content that you enjoy making. Because if you make stuff that you're not passionate about, you'll burn out and your channel won't survive. Uh, I would also say be yourself. Because if you put on an act in front of the camera, that'll also burn you out. You won't want to do it anymore. And I would also say, make the content that you want to watch. Like if you, if you pick one of your, you know, pick one of your favorite YouTubers out there and if they're keeping you entertained and you like what they're doing, but you think there could be things about it that could be different or better, you know, it's good to have inspiration. Don't copy anybody, but it's good to have inspiration from somebody and then try to make the content that you would actually want to watch. I think that's important. And also try to plan things out ahead of time. I, you know, it drives me nuts. This is going to be kind of a tangent, but when people make a YouTube channel, that's just them, you know, rambling to a camera with no agenda. They don't have like, there's no like point to the video. It's just them with a the camera talking, which is fine. If that's something that you enjoy doing, go for it. But if you're like, if you want to grow a channel, you need to make content that like is searchable, relatable, entertaining, educational. You know, one of those things needs to be there that to compel people to like be drawn in and be invested with their time to watch you. And I just find that a lot of people aren't doing that. Um, so 
that's my take on it. I hope that helps. Question mark. Next up is Christos KR. Sunto hasn't done anything in a while. Do you have any info about upcoming announcements? Uh, unfortunately, I don't have any info about upcoming announcements. And if I did have anything, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you it. But to be honest, Sunto has has not been very nice to me. And you know, over the course of my YouTube career, they actually give me no information ever. I never get pre-release info. I never get pre-release devices to test. They just kind of blackmailed, you know, not blackmailed, but blacklisted me from uh, their stuff. I don't know why. Um, you know, generally speaking, I like their products. Uh, they make good stuff. The Sunto 9 Peak is probably my favorite of their lineup, even though it still kind of has some shortcomings. But um, yeah, hopefully they do something great because, I, yeah, like you said, they haven't done anything in a while. And if you look at the landscape right now, people like Koros is crushing it. They're releasing firmware updates and new devices left and right. And I feel like they're making huge strides in a really short amount of time. And then you've got Sunto over there doing just about nothing. So I know if they, they've done some firmware updates. I actually got an email the other day about, like, they updated their app to work on a computer and an iPad, which is cool. But still, a new device or, like, you know, built-in mapping or built-in music or something that just would bring it up to today's standards would be nice to see. We don't have that yet. Um, we do have that on the Sunto 7, but that's a Wear OS device with terrible battery life. That's a topic for a different different day. The next question is from G, G Nomad Lad. Will you ever try cycling or triathlon? Uh, funny you ask. My buddy has been doing a lot of uh, mountain biking lately, and I used to be a really avid mountain biker myself. Uh, unfortunately, I kind of fell off with that, and I haven't been mountain biking a lot lately. Um, but I plan to get back into it, and, you know, I'm just trying to figure out, like, how to get back into it on a budget because <laughs> it's so expensive. But like I said, when we talked about time management, I really only have time for one hobby. Uh, but stay tuned because I do plan on trying to think outside the box further down the road. Stay tuned. We'll see. Uh, there are a few more of these questions that maybe I'll save for another day because unfortunately I am out of time and we are 42 minutes into this podcast and I got to go pick up my kid from, from preschool. So uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Episode 36 is in the books. Uh, we covered a lot in this one. If you enjoyed this sort of Q&A kind of format, let me know. Shoot me a message on Instagram at Chase the Summit or go over to ChaseTheSummit.com and shoot me a message through the contact form there. Let me know if you like this format or if I should just get rid of it. And if you did like the format and you've got a question for me that you want to hear answered on the air, make sure to shoot me a message on Instagram or through the contact form with the question because then you could be featured in the next episode. And I've got a bunch of questions left here that I'm going to include in that one as well. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. If you did, again, please consider heading over to Patreon using the link at the bottom of the show notes. Help support this podcast and what I'm doing here. And if you are planning to invest your money on anything I talked about in this podcast, any particular device, I'll have links in the show notes down below that do help support this podcast and they cost nothing extra to you. Final thing, final plug here, if you enjoy this podcast and you're listening to it on your way to work or something like that, make sure to give me a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Click that five-star thing that really helps me out and leave a comment letting me know what you like about it. 
that would be really helpful. All right, friends, that's all I've got for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and I will see you next week. Bye.